Our scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 to 14. And you can find this in a very cool page in your Bible, or at the Pew Bible, it's page 1001. So 1001. <laughs> um, again, our, rip, our reading comes from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 through 14. Verse 4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprighteousness. Uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? May God bless the reading of God. Good morning. Welcome back. It is so good to see all of you worshiping this morning. It's been quite a journey. You know, I, I don't think I've seen a lot of your faces for, for a while. I, you know, I was just reflecting the other day that you know, I had only been here for six months before the pandemic hit, and then we went online. So much of my time here as a pastor has been as a, a virtual one. Um, and I was talking to, I think, one of the youth at the church lunch barbecue that we had a couple of weeks ago, and I was trying to introduce myself and you know, say who I am, and, and I think the youth had mentioned, oh, I know who you are. I've seen you on the screen all these times. And I think it just, like, you know, it dawned on me that I, you know, many of you might know me, but I, I may not know all of you. And now that we are in, in person, I want to encourage you, you know, I, I want to get to know each and every one of you. Um, but feel free to come up to me if I don't come up to you first. I don't bite, I promise. Uh, and, and hopefully we can move from there, you know. It's... I'm sure this is going to take some getting used to for a lot of us as we transition back to a gathering together in person every week, to worship God, to fellowship with one another. Maybe for some of us that means uprooting our kids' routines that have been well established for the past 18 months. Maybe for some of us that's, that means needing now to account for driving to church however long that might take. Uh, and, and maybe uh, for some of us, that means getting used to being social again 
and learning how to be in a group of people uh, and, and seeing people not just from their necks up. Whatever it might be, you know, I, I hear you, I, I see you. It's not easy, even as we recognize, and we might recognize the importance of gathering together as the church. And as the church reopens, you know, we know, we understand that not everyone is ready or, or maybe even able to come back yet. And perhaps we'll find that there are some of us who, because of the challenges uh, this past year and a half, uh, that we face, there are some of us who aren't so much walking with God as they are limping along spiritually. Maybe you find yourself to be in this position as well. But we will reopen, we will move forward, but we do so as one church, one congregation. We do so taking responsibility for one another, Hope, uh, help, hoping to care for one another and to bear one another's burdens as scripture calls us to do. So this morning, will you pray? Uh, pray with me as we prepare our hearts to hear from God today. Let's pray. Sovereign and faithful God, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Living God, help us to hear your holy word with open hearts that we may truly understand, and understanding that we may believe, and believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, we, we started a new sermon series through the book of Hebrews. We've entitled this sermon series, Jesus is Better. Because that's what this book, that's what this book of Hebrews is really driving home for us. That Jesus is better. He is better than the prophets. He is better than the angels. He is better than Moses. His new covenant is better than the old covenants. He is better. And the author of Hebrews, as we kind of talked about last week, is writing to encourage his Christian readers who are enduring all these sorts of trials and persecution. He is encouraging them to persevere, to endure, not to, not to drift away. And part of the way he does this is by focusing their attention, our attention, on the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ himself. Now, we, and by we I mean, you know, Minister Cola, Pastor Jeff Arthurs, and myself, we, we landed on Hebrews for a couple of different reasons. At first, we, we're reopening, as you see this morning, and actually we're in the middle uh, of actually trying to get a, a, this coffee brewing machine installed and set up so that, uh, for Crossbridge so that we can even welcome each other and fellowship with, fellowship with each other uh, together before and after service. And, and so preaching through Hebrews is really just to give me an excuse to work my dad joke game and make a bunch of Hebrews, Hebrews puns. Yes, I... I I know in terms of dad jokes, it's not really advanced because I am new to this, obviously, so I really appreciate some grace. And because grinding out these puns is really a tall order. <laughs> but in all seriousness, right? Like when we were thinking about what, what do we preach next? Where are we at spiritually as a congregation? What is God trying to say to us? 
One of the things that, that came up is that, you know, we're reopening and we are slowly, for some of us, coming out of the homes that we have been hunkered down in for 18 months. And as we do so, it's important to remember who our faith is in. It's important to remember why we're gathering, why we are trying to get back to some of the habits that we've maybe lost or forgotten throughout this time. Not just gathering together as a church for the sake of gathering together, but it's Jesus. And as, you know, even as we regather, we open, there's maybe newcomers or, or maybe those who don't identify as a follower of Jesus. And they come in and we can use this book, this opportunity as a way to proclaim the good news. That Jesus is Lord and that he is better. So come and see. We also chose Hebrews because, you know, honestly, what, while we're, we're, what we're facing is not quite the same persecution that the readers in Hebrews might be facing. We still might be facing the same challenge of uh, a faltering faith. And I remember that when we first started at the beginning of this pandemic, I heard from people where, you know, there actually was a little bit of excitement in, in terms of quarantining, in terms of uh, slowing down. It meant no commute, right? It meant more time with family. Uh, for some, that meant time to, to stop, to reflect, to pray more, to, to have time to read the Bible more. But I think also, uh, sometime later, it became apparent that it was a little bit harder than we thought. Constant change, the need to adapt, Zoom fatigue, Forgotten habits, and, and I'll be the first to admit that it, it wasn't always easy spiritually. Maybe you found this to be true too. That when it came to our relationship with Jesus, that we aren't where we like to be. Or where we thought we'd be. Or we're not even close to where we were when this all started. And so my hope, part of the hope is that this book, Hebrews, is, will be an exhortation to me to you, to us today, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, Hebrews is a long book. It's like 13 chapters. Um, this sermon series is going to be taking us through uh, to the end of March. And, and so what we've done is we've divided this sermon series into three sections, three parts to help us conceptually, right, to, to follow along what is happening through the course of this letter. You know, otherwise, it's, it might be very easy for us to miss the, the forest for the trees. I mean, it might even be easy for us to feel like every sermon is just the same thing over and over and over and over again. So part one is, we've entitled part one, A Better Redeemer. A Better Redeemer. That's roughly chapters one to five, give or take. Part two is A Better Redemption. Chapters 6, or, 6 to 10. And then this last part we've, we've called Therefore. Chapters 10 to 13. And this last chapter really kind of hones in on the, the implications of the first two parts. That the fact that Jesus is a better redeemer. In him is a better redemption. Therefore, have faith and hold fast. 
We need not worry, though. We're not going to have to wait until, you know, several months down the road to even get to application. The, the author of Hebrews, what he does sometimes is he, he sprinkles in these smaller therefore passages, these mini therefore passages throughout the book. We're actually going to see one next week. Now, with these three parts, we've also uh, created three different litanies, right? These responsive readings, three different ones to help us internalize the focus of each part, because otherwise, you know, I get it. It's, it might be a little bit mind-numbing to just be reciting the same thing from now until March. Something new also that we're doing is we are actually incorporating a, a specific song to be sung in each week's worship for that part of the sermon series and for each of these smaller holdfast passages. So at the, as these weeks go by, you can Maybe see if you can see, uh, pick up on what these songs are. Because we're not repeating the same song. We're not seeing the same song every week because the worship leaders ran out of ideas. You know, it's intentional. Uh, it, it's a way for us to really tie the different parts of our time together on a Sunday morning. This worship service together. To tie it together. So if you tuned in uh, to the live stream last week, you know, we, we encountered uh, some te- technical issues and, you know, we're really grateful for our, our live stream team and our IT people to, to try and, you know, work through all the technological challenges. But we did post the sermon uh, on our website and on our link tree. So if you're like, what's a link tree? You're not alone. Um, no shame. You can probably talk to one of the youth. They might be able to tell you what that is. It's basically, I think, like one link for all your links. And so, you know, in our church, we have a lot of links, right? So you can go to our link tree. Uh, there's a QR code. You can check it out later. You can watch Dr. Arthur's sermon, Pastor Jeff Arthur's sermon uh, last week and, and catch up if you want to, you know, see what you missed out on. Uh, so, as, like I said, Pastor Jeff Arthur, he, he kicked off our sermon series uh, last week, preaching on the first three verses of Hebrew. So let me read it again for us. Long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom, uh, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power, after making purification for sins, he, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so, who is this son by whom God has spoken? The text lays it out. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator of the world. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the, the universe and he makes purification for our sins. He is Jesus. And as Pastor Jeff Arthurs mentioned last week that we're going to get to this week, our passage continues. This Jesus, this Son, is better than angels. When I was a youth, a few of us went to serve at the Boston Project Ministries in Dorchester. It was one of our short-term mission trips. I recall at the time that a couple of us, we had an opportunity to chat, to have a conversation with a couple of homeless people. And I distinctly remember one of them saying to us, look, I I don't believe in God, but I believe in angels. It was a long time ago, so I don't remember quite else what he said or even how any of us responded. And 
Actually, you know, honestly, if any of us did respond, apart from the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, it probably wasn't very helpful or insightful. But I do think back to that encounter, especially when I think about a passage like this, right? Why angels? Why? What was it about angels that 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 person that we talked to believed? You know, did he think angels fulfilled some sort of function that we as Christians believe that God actually does and only does and does better? I think about a a passage like ours this morning that so very clearly puts Jesus Christ next to the angels and unequivocally says, Jesus is better. So this is what the author of Hebrews sets out to do for us this morning in our passage. He is listing out reason after reason after reason for why Jesus is superior to the angels. And the answer is this, because God has given Jesus a name greater than all other names, exalting him to the right hand of God and enthroning him over all creation. We could put it a little bit more simply and and maybe say this, that Jesus is better because Jesus is king, not like the angels. So if you have your Bibles at home, uh, or here, I know I invite you now to turn with me. We're going to be working our way through this passage. You can, or scroll with me even to Hebrews 1, 4 to 14. If you don't have a Bible, uh, maybe you haven't downloaded a Bible app, that's okay. You can grab one of the pew Bibles in front of you. And like our presider Emily said, it's on page 1001. Uh, so I give you a moment to, to flip there, or to scroll there, or to download a Bible app. And we'll, we'll, we'll start. This is verse 3 going into verse 4. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So this is what Hebrews 1 to 4, 4 to 14 says. Jesus is superior to angels. He is better than angels. In, in some translations, it's, it's superior Others, it's he is better or he is greater. It's, it's comparison language, right? It's comparison language. It's a comparison that he makes actually repeatedly throughout the book of Hebrews. That, that word better or superior, it shows up like 15 times in this book. And so that, that's the first part of this main point that's being driven home today. Jesus is better. He's better than angels. And, and then we continue on in this passage in verse 5. You know, gives us that, that key word, that conjunction. You guys know that I love conjunctions, right? Four. He launches into reason after reason of why that is the case. The way he does that is by, he, he cites seven Old Testament passages to make his point. Passages for whom the, the, the readers, who were probably Jewish Christians, or, uh, would have, they were accepted as authoritative. And so look, there's a lot of reasons, right? Seven is a lot. So for our sake, I'm going to try and and kind of summarize it into three general sub-points. So first, it's this, that Jesus has a better name. Verses four to six. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. 
Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let, God, uh, let all God's angels worship him. The better name isn't Jesus. Jesus, his, his name, Yeshua, is, is pretty common, I guess, in the first century. And there's people today named Jesus or Jesus. You know, are all of them better than angels? Not in the way Jesus Christ is. Jesus is better because Jesus is son. The better name is, is son. But, but what does that mean for us? It's, it's not simply that he has this intimate relationship with God the Father. It, it, it does mean that, but, but more. You see, right at the beginning, the author is citing from two passages. Psalm 2-7 and 2 Samuel 7-14. Those are the words in, in quotes. Psalm 2 was, was widely understood to be this messianic psalm, this passage that is finding its ultimate fulfillment in the Messiah. It's a psalm that people knew back then that we're not talking about angels here. We're talking about the Messiah. And, and when applied to Jesus, it, it's saying that he is inheriting this name, Son. Now, I want to be clear, right, that that Jesus Christ was always the Son of God. Whether that was at the foundation of the world, when he became incarnate, when he died, rose, and ascended. So, what does the author mean, then, when he so intentionally picks a passage that says, Today, I have begotten you. You are my son. I, I think... The passage for us this morning has in view the moment when Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, as Romans 1-4 puts it. You see, the the Greco-Roman world would have understood this, I think. When sons came of age, they were formally bestowed with a family name, even though in one sense they always had it. Right? So, so I have a son, and so it actually works out that I have a son. My, my son, Titus, has my name, my familial name, and is my son, and nothing changes that. Right? Now, if we were living back then, when Titus came of age, he would be bestowed with a family name in, in a formal way. He would, he, he would, in a sense, become, quote-unquote, my son. This is what happens with Jesus. He is the son of God, but he came of age when he was raised from the dead, when he ascended to the right hand of God. That's why I think Psalm 2-7 talks about today. That's what verse 3 was getting at. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels. The resurrection and the ascension, what we're talking about here is, is Christ's exaltation and his enthronement. Now, when we talk about Jesus being better, we are essentially also asking, how is he better? In what ways is he better? And in our passage, what is the relationship between Jesus and angels? Jesus is better not just uh, uh, in a matter of degree, but he's better because he's of a whole different order, a whole different category. Because Jesus is not an angel. You see, basically, it's not like the author is saying Jesus is better because he's a better angel, because he's not. Much like we might say, like, you know, the new iPhone 13, I think, 
14, 13, is supposed to come out on Tuesday, right? And, you know, that iPhone 13 is much better than the iPhone in your hands, right? But that's not what is really going on here, because Jesus is not an angel. He is the Son of God. Jesus is better in the sense that we're not even talking about the the category of phones anymore. The, The second quote that he has is from 2 Samuel 7, 14. And there, if you were to flip back, the prophet Nathan, he's speaking to King David. David uh, wants to build a house for the Lord, a temple. And God makes a covenant with King David. He speaks to him through Nathan saying, you, know, you won't be the one to build me a house. But in fact, I will make you a house. Meaning you will have a son and he will build my house and I will give you descendants. And your descendants will reign and I will establish the throne of your son's kingdom forever. Now in the short term, He's clearly talking about King Solomon, who is King David, uh, David's literal son, who, who actually builds that, that temple. But ultimately, it's pointing to Jesus. It's Jesus' kingdom that, in his reign that will have no end. And so that already begins to put Christ in a whole other category than the angels. It, Jesus is worthy of worship, He's the one to be worshipped, and the angels are the ones who actually worship him. Fundamentally, that's a very different purpose. That's verse 6. So why is Jesus superior to the angels? Because he has a name, son, greater than all other names. A position of privilege and authority which was declared at Christ's humiliation and glorification. Here's the second reason. Because Jesus is enthroned over all creation. 7 to 12. So of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. We said this in the the call to worship. This is the passage that we were reading from. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And so again, the the author of Hebrews is quoting from these Old Testament passages. And he he sets up another contrast between Jesus and the angels. The angels serve, but Jesus reigns. And and what's amazing is that in quoting the Old Testament, look look what's being claimed here. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God. Of the Son, he says that. And then in verse 9, he says, therefore, God, your God. And so we have a king of whom we say that God is his God and also that he is God. The angels worship Jesus. The angels serve Jesus because he is the son of God or or actually more fitting here, he is God the son. He is enthroned over a kingdom that has no end. 
And the reason why is because he has loved righteousness, hated wickedness. That's to say that his perfect obedience in the life that he lived culminated in that obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is how we know that he loved righteousness because he became that righteousness for us, suffering the punishment and the penalty of our sin on that cross for us, for you and me. So Jesus is enthroned over all creation. The very creation which was created through him in the beginning. Going back to, to last week's passage, verse 2. He has spoken to us by son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And of the son, he says, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. What angel can claim that? Why is, is Jesus better? Because he has a better name? Because Jesus is enthroned over all creation? And, and lastly, because Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God. This is how our passage ends. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits, these angels, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? And so here in, in verse 13, we reach a climax. He, he uh, closes out the same way he began. To which of the angels has he ever said this? It's what we call, I've mentioned this before, an, an inclusio. It's, it's bookends that kind of surround this passage. And, he, and he's citing from this passage, Psalm 110. Jesus uses this passage multiple times in the Gospels. He brings it up when he questions the Pharisees back. And he asks them, how can the Messiah be King David's son if King David calls him Lord? The point is that the Messiah wouldn't just be a descendant of King David, but he would have a greater honor as the Son of God, Jesus. And, and this passage, again, addressing what is that relationship between Jesus and angels? The angels serve Jesus. The angels also serve the church, you and me. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit uh, salvation? You know, even you know, when we're talking about Angels, that's a very different picture than one we might get from TV shows or pop culture. How do they usually get painted? You know, where do angels come up in pop culture? I think sometimes we get a picture of, of people passing away, right? And they get their wings and they become angels in heaven. Or, or angels in, in pop culture, they, they help people accomplish whatever it is that they need to do some sort of mission or some sort of thing. Or, or, you know, they help people, angels help people win baseball games. If you've ever seen the uh, really, really old movie, uh, Angels in the Outfield. But here, there's a very specific role that angels fulfill. Angels are messengers. They are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. 
not to necessarily find true love or to win baseball games or win championships. They're here to help us to inherit salvation, you and me. And we see this in the Gospels even. Angels were the ones who heralded the birth of Christ when he came. The angels appeared to the shepherds and they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Angels are the ones who are at the empty tomb announcing Jesus has risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Angels were there strengthening and assuring the disciples after Jesus ascended and it was exalted to the right hand of God. They spoke to the disciples, men of Galilee, why, why are you standing there looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into, um, into heaven. Angels are there accompany, accompanying the Son of God when Jesus Christ returns in glory. So why is Jesus superior uh, to the angels, because God has given Jesus a name greater than all other names. Exalting him, what does that mean? What does it mean for him to have this greater name, to have the name of son? He has been exalted to the right hand of God and enthroned over all creation. So again, put simply, we might say, Jesus is better, better than the angels, because Jesus is king. Now, I, I think it's worth mentioning and asking, why why does this matter for us as Christians, as those who follow Jesus? Why, why does it matter, especially for those of us who, are, who might be facing a, a faltering, a failing faith, a wandering faith? For those of us who, are, who find ourselves drifting away from God. Because our faith is not in a what, but in a who. Our, our, our faith is not grounded on habits that we've lost or forgotten and are trying to get back over the course of this pandemic. Our faith is not grounded in simply trying to meet together in person as a church, even though that is really important. Our, our faith is not in what we need to do, but in what has already been done for us by Jesus. And sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, I think like even for myself, we were reopening, right? And there's all these different logistical things, all these different scheduling and spreadsheets and emails and late night meetings and things that we have to figure out every scenario, right? How do we come into the sanctuary? How do we exit out? And, you know, wearing masks and, and all these different things and all important. But it's very easy for us to lose sight of the most important reason of why we gather together as the church. What brings us together? It's because of Jesus. He is our hope, which is built on nothing less than him, his blood and righteousness. He is our cornerstone, nothing else. He is our sure and steady anchor. He is our hope, our salvation. And so are you here this morning or watching online this morning or here with us in person, you lost sight of Jesus. That relationship with God himself, God the Son. Maybe you're here just checking us out or checking out, you know, this Jesus person. Come and see. 
I really do hope and pray that each and every one of us this morning would be able to marvel and stand amazed at the person of Jesus, of his sweet sacrificial love for us, and really at how he is going to be better than anything this world has to offer. Because this is what this sermon series over and over and over again will be striking at our hearts. Is Jesus better than anything else in your life? Than anything else in your hearts? Maybe we're not there yet. But but I hope that as Christ reveals himself more and more to us through his word, we would see more and more of him. Next week, Pastor Jeff will continue this sermon series with our first hold fast passage. It actually is really connecting straight to our passage with that key word, therefore, right? another conjunction. And so why, why does the author spend so many of these verses in chapter 1 talking about angels and how Jesus is better? Ultimately, because he's making this lesser to greater argument. The Jewish people believe that the angels deliver the law of Moses. To them, and the author of Hebrews is really saying, making the case, look, if you believe this message by the angels, and Jesus is better than the angels in every respect, then how much more should you believe in the message by Jesus when actually Jesus is that message? When we look at this really long, you know, verses 4 to 14 argument for why Jesus is superior to angels, there's a point to be made here that. Jesus is better. We're, and we might ask, you know, why not say Jesus is best, right? Superlatives. Why not say he's the goat, right? I mean, we could say that, and we would be right in saying that. It would be completely, 100% true. But I do think rhetorically, it feels a bit more powerful when we say Jesus is better. Jesus is best because he is better than everything else because it puts up this comparison in our hearts in our lives in our church in our communities between Jesus and everything else and Jesus always wins out and in this case in our passage is angels angels were were messengers they were a form of mediators and in our lives today we might find other ways to reach the divine, to be more spiritual, to reach God through one means or another. But over against all their claims of authority, the good news is that Hebrews Hebrews 1 strikes at the heart of that attempt, our attempt. This is why Jesus is better. Jesus does for us what no other religion, no other faith, no other worldview can do. We don't need other mediators. We have Jesus, God the Son. Let's pray. Humbly Father, we give thanks for your word to us, for this reminder, for this proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, who is exalted and enthroned and is so much better. And anything else. And I pray as we begin this sermon series that we would see this to be true, important, urgent, relevant in our hearts, that we would cherish 
our relationship with Christ and that you would draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray.